gentlemen welcome to electric leftovers this is episode 378 my name is jason it is monday april 3rd and there's inch inch and a half of snow outside i don't complain about the weather much unless it's summertime and i feel like i'm dying on the outside and inside as opposed to normally just the inside but i gotta tell you we're like 20 something degrees below our average temperature for the year right now so all you climate change deniers, you can go kick rocks, all right? You're full of it. This week on the show, we are going to do some reviews for Demon's Crest. We are going to dig into the archives and look at a game called Depot Dungeons, which was a uh, low bias monthly from a million billion Brazilian years ago. And as Depot Dungeon doesn't really have any music per se, because it's one of them there weirdo MSX games, um, MZX, MSX or something else. Megazooks is the thing. Uh, I went and dug into a different set of archives and pulled out some different music for us. Yeah, how about that? Uh, tonight, um, Monday, April 3rd, we will be streaming a brand new game, having finished up Medieval last time. And we're going to be digging into Chrono Cross, which makes today's music choices oddly uh, appropriate. So if you want to check out some Chrono Cross, Videos of that are going to be up at my Twitch and on my YouTube by the time you, this gets to your ears. I think we've also just about wrapped up Final Fantasy VII at the time you're hearing this, so it'll be time to start a new Let's Play as well. Amazing how things just progress. Time flows. The earth refused to change. I'm still hungry. Other such things. Anyway, let's... Let's get into some music. I think you're gonna enjoy. Thank you. 
in a post-apocalyptic future, you must escape the ruins of the fallen civilization and try to find any survivors. That's, that's all for the back of the box for Depot Dungeons, an MZX puzzle game developed and published by Otto Germain and released in 2015. Coolio gave us a topic for Low Bias Monthly of playing Megazooks games, and this is the one either he suggested or I picked. I don't remember. I think he suggested it for me, because uh, I don't know anything about Megazooks games other than what Coolio has uh, exposed me to. And let me tell you, he often exposes himself via MZX games, which isn't a bad thing. He's good at them. I am not. I played this one a little bit and kind of gave up on it. It's Adventures of Lolo-esque in terms of it's it's a room and you have to solve a puzzle to get through the room and if you die you start the room over if you block yourself out trying to solve a puzzle and all that. I don't particularly enjoy those kind of games. Like uh, Chip's Challenge-ish kind of thing. Um, Daimo's Quest if you're, if you're familiar with the CDI stuff. Uh, those games don't really do it for me. I really like Lolo for some reason but, but other games of that ilk Kickle Cubicle. Not, not really my thing, and this game was not really my thing either. I gave it a, a an old college try, but I gave it a I'm taking a year off before college try. Let's say it like that. I gave it the old I'm taking a year off before college try. And, um, well. Look, if, if you don't know what Megazooks is, this might be something you maybe want to check out just to get yourself a little history, a little video game knowledge. Um, if you want to see me bat at an odd little puzzle game, this is also probably right up your alley. Other than that, though, can't tell you much about it. I only gave it two episodes worth a try before I just, you know. Sometimes I'm not having fun, and I will push through it. Sometimes I will not have fun, and I will not push through it.
As I am currently building the old show here, uh, I was expecting this week's episode to be a little shorter based on not much in terms of archive stuff to talk about, but the music is longer. It's not a bad thing. It's just how it is. We'll have some regular old game music next time. Let's stock. Let's stock. Let's talk about reviews instead of that. Well, that's kind of a returning contributor. Anybody else? It's a full review. I'm going to see how long it is. It's not that long. So that's that's a contributor. Um, so we need to figure... What's going to be a good, a good mix of that one and that one? The highest rated and the second lowest rated. Yeah, how about that? Rango left us a review. Steve Brule knows him. This is my friend by name of Rango. I can't do it. Can't do that voice. Um. We'll do that one. And we'll start with this one. Uh, Demon's Crest. Uneducated review by XV underscore with a donate button. When we think of a current great game, as in 2020, we can think easily in AAA games that need at least 40 hours to be beaten, on which the developers make the illusion that every second and every detail is more important to the overall experience. However, often these things are just disguised padding, parenthesis, not that it's always bad, mind you, parenthesis, comma, Demon's Crest surprised me with its short length, parenthesis, at least six hours with the majority of the items, parenthesis, and with its never dull rhythm, comma, even when there's some kind of padding in the form of backtracking, period. That was our opening sentence. This review in 2020, by the way, August 2020. Let's see how many sentences it takes to make the next paragraph. Let's do it together as a team. After you hit the start button, you're thrown away into a boss fight in which the mechanics are not explained but needed to be figured out just like a kid who is learning to ride a bike. This is not a hard battle by any means, but it is also not taken for granted and give you a taste of how the game will develop onwards. This is a challenging game, but never an unfair one, or at least till the end, and is shown off from the very start brilliantly, both mechanically and narratively. That was one sentence. Couple of commas. Threw in some parentheses for spice. It's like nutmeg. Uh, let's see. At times, DC feels like a Metroidvania game. Look, if you're gonna spell out Metroidvania, spell it Demon's Crest. Because you only abbreviated it one time in this whole review. I'm looking at it. It's right there. <clears throat> anyway, you collect power-ups in form of more HP, talismans, which give you different stats, more like, uh, like more defense or attack, flasks or potions, scrolls for spells, and crests that give you several abilities like flying, ground attacks, more jumping, etc. I don't know if that's a period, or he abbreviated etc. I mean, could be either, could be both. Although it feels like a Metroidvania, it lacks a complex and rewarding stage and backtrack system. Instead, you have a main hub and similarly enter to stages like Mario 64, Apologize, apologies for the lack of a better reference from the SNES era. Yeah, no game, like what? Uh, Mario World, Mega Man, um, give me a minute, I can think of another one. Uh, then every stage has several routes that lead you to a different boss fights, depending on the items you have. 
This leads us to one of the weaker parts of the game, the backtracking. Comma, in a normal Metroidvania game, you'll backtrack freely from a point to another but in Demon's Crest, you need to enter a stage from the beginning and traverse it to get the part you want to. Comma, this might seem like a minor annoyance, and in part it is, comma, but the lack of maps in my bad memory transformed this experience in a repetitive and padded one where I was mapping the stages, comma, again and again just to find the tiny little spot that I couldn't remember, comma, it's not that terrible, but it stains the otherwise stellar rhythm of the game, period. That paragraph was potentially two sentences. And again, insert parentheses wherever you would add a dash of spice. The story is told through several pieces of dialogue between bosses you encounter. They're raw and well-scripted that they speak volumes of every character in the world they're in, or more specifically, comma, you feel like you're in a shattered demon world, period. Oh my god, we did it. Speaking of boss fights, they're the meat of this game. Every fight is tailor-made from the boss design to its mechanics, and they're also quite challenging, so expect to die a lot of times. Since they depend a lot in attack patterns, you'll be dying till you figure out what their pattern is, comma. At first this might feel unfair, but when you figure it out and conquer them, you will also feel like a demon lord. Period. Wow, two for one. My only issue with these fights is the flying controls. I couldn't get used to them even when I have beaten the last boss. They're awkward and unintuitive, so in some of the aerial fights I was always pressing the wrong button because they feel so unnatural. Period. Uh, let's see. You can unlock several endings depending on the items you collect through your adventure. You can even challenge the last boss right from the beginning, so this is a neat option. You can also fight a true boss or secret super boss when you collect everything and beat the game. Although it is designed to be extremely hard and to use resources and equip and unequip talismans to avoid damage and do more damage. It's quite difficult and almost unfair, but being an extra doesn't mind me that much and is also a welcomed challenge for those who want to prove themselves. The music is great also, but didn't strike me as amazing as the music from the Ghosts and Goblins series, but maybe it's a matter of taste. And finally, I can't recommend Demon's Crest enough. Although it has some flaws in its gameplay and navigation, it is aged extremely well and it offers a great challenge for both new and veteran players. Is one of those games that is easy to play but hard to master, so do yourself a favor and play it if you can. Rating 8. XV underscore. What? Uneducated. At least in sentence structure, my friend. I mean, there are one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten sentences. I feel like it should be more. And it's not based on, like, you have a quota, but that first, that first paragraph really could have been more than one sentence. So could the second, and so could the last one. Commas are your friend, but sometimes it feels like y'all are, like, addicted. Brack, coming to us from the space year 2000, says, Everything that Castlevania 4 didn't have is all here in Capcom's excellent version of a horror game. It's not Capcom's horror game, it's their version. Demon's Crest is an excellent game by Capcom for the Super Nintendo, period. Wow. You don't have them, then you realize you missed them. In this game, Firebrand is able to transform into different gargoyles, each with a power of a different element. He can also find scrolls and bottles during each level, and he can use them to carry potions or magic spells, which can be purchased at stores. Castlevania fans will kick themselves for getting Castlevania 4 instead of this. 
Your old pal Jason didn't mind Castlevania 4. Didn't love it, but I would play Castlevania 4 over this. Graphics, 10 out of 10. Very well done, period. Capcom tried to make a haunting environment for Firebrand to go through, and their effort passes in flying colors. If you thought Super Ghouls and Ghosts was creepy looking, it's not. Then you have to see this exclamation point. This is just my opinion, but I think these graphics are still beautiful even when compared to the newest games. Brack is right. Sound 10 out of 10. The sound effects are very sporting to the game, as is the music. Sporting treats it fairly. The music takes a different approach, and a lot of it is fairly quiet and slow-paced. This is an excellent idea Capcom had, and it really does go well with a spooky game like this. You'd have to hear it to believe it. You heard it last week, did you believe it? Game, uh, sound 10 out of 10, gameplay 10 out of 10. If you loved Super Ghouls and Ghosts or Gargoyles Quest, this game is definitely for you. In fact, even if you thought Super Ghouls and Ghosts or Gargoyles Quest was average, you're still bound to have a lot of fun with this work of art. The story has more depth than the other two games, and at times the story doesn't add up until later in the game. The flying technique is much more helpful in this game than in Gargoyles Quest, and the abilities to change into different gargoyles really gives the game a lot of depth. Some levels are hidden in other levels, and they must be opened by one of Firebrand's powers that he finds in the game. The game also has multiple endings depending on what levels you find throughout the game. The game has well-balanced challenge, finding all the levels and powers will keep you playing for quite some time. Unlike the game's predecessors, this game doesn't get frustrating. A great improve! You get a password feature as well, so you don't have to start over from the beginning. This game will keep you playing and playing again until you found everything. It's just that much fun. Overall, 10 out of 10. Excellent, Capcom. You've created a game that can really stand up to Konami's Castlevania series. Even Castlevania 3. Rating 10. Your pal Jason did not like Castlevania 3 either. I think it's overrated. Um, That's a weird review, Brack. It's not bad. It's not poorly written. I'd like to know what predecessors means. Sounds like some sort of uh, kitchen device. But I think I know what you're trying to say. You like the game. You think it's very well done, it's very creepy looking, and that it's, you know, on par with Castlevania. Can't say I agree. Which is fine. And finally, from 2011, Demonically Average. A review from our good friend Officil. Please give. This one is a little longer than the others, so stick with me. Demon's Crest is an action platform game developed by Capcom. For those who don't know their video game history, comma, parenthesis, which means they actually have a life, parenthesis, comma, Demon's Crest is part of a spin-off series based in the Ghosts and Goblins universe. You know who would have less of a life than someone who doesn't know the history of Capcom games? Somebody writing reviews about Capcom games. And, on top of that, somebody reading reviews somebody wrote about Capcom games. Yeah. Six degrees of uh, lifelessness. Um, it started with the two RPGs, Gargoyles Quest 1 and 2 for the Game Boy and NES, respectively, and ends with this game for the Super Nintendo. It's a whole different game, though, more similar to Metroid and Castlevania. Thanks for not making the word. Despite looking exceptionally good, however, it's just an average game. Story 6.2 out of 10, Presentation 2. Keep that Presentation 2, or Presentation 2, in mind for later. The storyline starts with an impressive intro, comma, parenthesis, not so impressive as Super Metroid, but, 
comma, it's okay, I guess, parenthesis, comma. That shows us six magical crests that fell into the demon world and throw the world into a civil war since all demons wanted the crests' power for themselves. Only one managed to gather them, but he was critically wounded, so another demon grabbed the opportunity and stole five of the crests from him and left him to die in a large arena. From there on, the plot is just find the crests, kill the final bad guy, typical junk, and nothing more. Certainly not a game that you play for its plot, but I wouldn't mind it being one. What the hell does that mean? Do you want them to change it just so you can say you play it for the story? We'll come to story later. <clears throat> Uh, gameplay, 6.8 out of 10. Replay value, 1 out of 10. Like in previous installments of the franchise, you control Firebrand in a typical 2D action platform game. Firebrand jumps quite low and can't duck, but he can hover in the air using his wings. He can also throw fire from his mouth and hold onto wall surfaces with his sharp nails. The controls are almost perfect, something that I love in games, and while the game is quite hard, you'll never feel cheated due to the bad controls like in Shadow of the Beast, for example. Your purpose in this game is to explore the demon world in order to find some magic crests that will grant you great power. Additionally, you'll find some minor items that will increase your health, grand, use special perks, or enhance your main attack power. There are only a few levels available, and after the intro level, you'll be able to play them in any order. Of course, in order to survive in harder levels, you'll have to become stronger in the previous ones. Furthermore, the game is full of secret passages and areas that can be reached only with the use of a special item, usually a crest. You see, the special power of the crests is the fact that you can transform in different kinds of gargoyles with them. In different kinds. Amazing. You can turn into strong hulks that crash stone barriers, groan better wings and fly in the air, get gills and swim in the water, and so on. The levels, however, are extremely easy and boring since you'll have to replay them a lot of times, the will become even more aggravating to play through. The various bosses that you will have to fight will make the game more interesting since they are the exact opposite of, a, of the piece of cake gameplay of the levels, but even they can't exactly save the game from being a tad boring. Also, for a game with such strong emphasis in secret areas, none of these are hard to find. In fact, most of them can't even be categorized as secrets, more like secondary routes. Finally, the game is quite small and the only reason to replay it is getting all the endings. You'll be able to, uh, you see you'll be able to fight the final boss in various times throughout the game, and depending on the items gathered, you'll battle him in a different, your battle, excuse me, you'll battle with him in a different way. This is far from making the game more interesting, and furthermore, two of these optional battles are so amazingly hard that will discourage more gamers out there. Want a similar game, but, a, but far better? Super Metroid, without a single doubt. We'll agree, that super secret boss at the very end? Garbage. All right, so remember when he said presentation two? Graphics, 10 out of 10. Design, 10 out of 10. W-H-O-A, all hyphenated exclamation point. Demon's Crest, without a single doubt, deserves a place amongst the best-looking games of the 16-bit era. Wonderfully designed dark and medieval-slash-gothic areas, similar to those of Castlevania, but far better. Dark, misty forests with titanic monuments in the distance, stone-cold mountaintops at dusk, ruined cities, dark and moist caves, swamps, underwater cavers, castles, and so on. That was probably supposed to be caverns. All looking very good with 
excellent use of the lighting and with lots of details making each area look unique. Enemies look good, but bosses look even better, with some of them, like the zombie dragon in the beginning, looking too cool to be true. The one that takes the cake, though, is Firebrand himself, one of the best designed and animated characters of that era. You have to see him breathe fire while flapping his wings to see what I'm talking about. Excellent job. Graphic buffs will surely get satisfied. I don't know that Officeil's ever given anything a 10, so that's something. Sound 8, music 7.5. While not so impressive as in the graphics department, the game retains a very high quality in terms of sound. The music themes are very well composed and fit like a glove with the look and atmosphere of the game since they have that medieval dark fantasy style. The sound effects are even better with a nice variety and an exceptionally high quality. Pros, the ability to change into different gargoyles. Wonderful gothic medieval graphics, great music and sound effects. Cons, boring levels, too easy to find secrets. Also play Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation. Don't play that game. Metroid or Mega Man X for the PC and Super Nintendo. Yeah, you can play that. Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo. Play that too. Don't play Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night is bad. Play a better Castlevania game. Play uh, Aria of Sorrow, Portrait of Ruin, Order of Ecclesia. Play any of those. Overall, 6.4 out of 10. Unfortunately, despite its wonderful graphics, great music and sound effects with promising gameplay, Demon's Crest is average as a game. Replaying levels in order to explore other areas with newly acquired abilities leads to a very boring experience. When in other games, this is the actually the thing that makes them great. Pity, pity, pity. Rating six. Officeil coming in with the second lowest score for the game. Uh, the lowest being from Snow Dragon, who gave it a 5. And um, who was it? Brack coming in with that 10, tied by Sam the Big Kid, who says it's one of the best games he's ever played. I enjoy this game. I think it looks really nice. Um, however, however, it does get a little... It, it gets a little boring because you do have to revisit so many places so many different times. And since it's not a, a linear, you know, you can go from one area to the other and back and forth and back and forth. If you miss something when you're replaying a stage, you have to leave, start over at the beginning and replay it again. And I don't I don't love doing that. Um, that is how it works, though. Uh, as for, let's talk story. The story, I think, is interesting. It's probably better if you played the Demon's Quest games which I've not put that much time into, honestly. Um, but because they all tie together, it probably makes more sense uh, if you do it that way. There is a little bit of story development in the game. There's a Castlevania 2 esque town where you can go and talk to people. But I don't ever feel like the story really goes anywhere. Because it's, it's you, it's the main bad guy, and they're doing that. I will find them before you, Firebrand. And then he never shows up until the very end of the game when you found them all kind of a thing. Um, the bosses, was it XV said that they would give you bits of the story? They, they don't. Because one of them is just like a worm. Like a, like a bloaty caterpillar thing. And he doesn't talk to you. Uh, so the story, I feel like, could have been presented a little better, but it's fine. There's not much of a story to it. Save the world. Okay, easy enough. Uh, graphics, everybody's on point here. The graphics are amazingly good. 
The music, I think, is good. It's not as good as I remember it being. When I was digging through for last week's show, I think there are bits of music that I remember from other games that I attribute to this game. The music is fine. It's not great. Uh, the gameplay is okay. I didn't... There, there are some things it takes getting used to. Uh, flying is a little weird. Not being able to duck is a little weird. Um... You, you don't attack very quickly. It's one of those, like, Mega Man can have three bullets on screen at a time. I think Firebrand can have one. One or two, depending on your, uh... Your gargoyle form. So it takes some getting used to, knowing what you can and can't do in each form. Um... It's, it's challenging enough. The, the super secret end boss is absolute garbage. I had to cheat my way through that one. I could not beat him. I tried for like half an hour. Couldn't do it. Um, yeah, it's a good game. I think it's worth playing. If if you like, you know, ghouls and ghosts, if you like Castlevania, Monster Party, Monster in My Pocket, all those kind of games, the horror-themed games, but not, not horror like Splatterhouse horror, like fantasy horror stuff, this is a good game to play. It's... It, it will you'll have a good experience with it you may not love it but i doubt you'll hate it
that means it's news time. Let's see, what do we got? Let's, let's work from the bottom up this time. Instead of the other way around. Hotel East Link, getting a room here literally is impossible. a sculpture made to look like a hotel. Okay, don't care about that. World's heaviest rideable bicycle? Boring. Man learns his online girlfriend of one year was his best friend's wife. Skip that one. Uh, Europe's highest train station looks like a supervillain's secret base? that one. We'll do this one. And this one's been making the social media rounds. So we better do that one too. And what the hell, let's start with it. An Australian company specializing in cultivated meat recently unveiled a giant meatball, allegedly made from lab-grown meat using woolly mammoth DNA. That's right, our story, company brings back woolly mammoths as giant meatballs. While most cultured meat companies are focused on producing alternatives to conventional meats like chicken, beef, and pork, Australian startup Vow is taking a different approach. It is focusing on mixing and matching cells from different unconventional animal species, even ones that have been extinct for thousands of years. To prove that it can be done, Vow took the DNA sequence from a mammoth myoglobin a key muscle protein in giving meat its flavor, and filled the few gaps in with strands of elephant DNA. They then put the sequence in a myoblast stem cell from a sheep and grew the tens of billions of cells necessary to create the lab-grown meat. It was ridiculously easy and fast! We did this in a couple of weeks, Professor Ernst Wolvetang at the Australian Institute for Bioengineering at the University of Queensland told the Guardian newspaper, It's a little bit strange and new. It's always like that at first, but from an environmental and ethical point of view, I personally think cultivated meat makes a lot of sense. Professor Wolvetang said that the initial idea was to produce dodo bird meat, but the DNA sequences required simply did not exist, so they settled for another very famous extinct animal. The goal was to raise awareness about cultivated meat as a future alternative to conventional meat, while also highlighting the idea of exotic meats. Vow has already been experimenting with dozens of species, including alpaca, buffalo, crocodile, kangaroo, and peacocks, mixing lab-grown meats to create unique tastes. The goal is to transition a few billion meat-eaters away from eating conventional animal protein to eating things that can be produced in electrified systems, Bao CEO George Pepau said, and we believe the best way to do that is to invent meat. A little late on that one, son. We look for cells that are easy to grow, really tasty and nutritious, and then mix and match those cells to create really tasty meat. In case you're wondering, no one has tasted the giant mammoth meatball yet, and for good reason, as Professor Wolftang explains. Quote, We haven't seen this protein for thousands of years, so we have no idea how our immune system would react when we eat it. But if we did it again, we would certainly do it in a way that would make it more palatable to regulatory bodies. Unquote. The mammoth meatball was unveiled last week at Nemo, a science museum in the Netherlands, but Bao was already planning to sell its first cultivated meat, Japanese quail, in Singapore restaurants this year. 
We made this super meat by combining thousands of cells from different animals. You can't eat it, but it, you know, we made it. There's a picture of Chuck Norris. Man is totally dying his beard. I never got on board the Chuck Norris bandwagon, because, uh... Walker, Texas Ranger was not a good show, number one. Number two, he's not a good actor. Number three, Bruce Lee exists. And, and beat him up. Anyway, moving on. 20-year-old boiled egg looks like a blood-red ruby. A Chinese woman stunned the internet with photos of a 20-year-old boiled egg that she had preserved as a young girl and then forgotten about. It has fossilized and now resembles a ruby. The woman, surnamed Fu, posted photos of the fossilized egg on Chinese social media platform Daoban, where they quickly attracted people's attention and it went viral. It wasn't long before mainstream news outlets started contacting her about the unique egg, wanting to know its story. Apparently, the woman's mother uh, bought it for her 20 years ago when she was still in primary school because it was unusually small in size. Her mother boiled it for her to eat at school, but after storing it in the side pocket of her backpack, she forgot about it for three days and dared not eat it. Eat if after that, excuse me, thinking it had spoiled. But she didn't want to throw the delicate egg away either, so she put it on top of the refrigerator and completely forgot about it for a couple months. Uh, when the woman's mother found the egg again, it had already changed color to a dark burgundy red, so she decided to keep it in a small jewelry box instead of throwing it away. As the years passed, Fa moved out with her parent, uh, out of her parents' house and forgot about the preserved egg, but her mother recently found it while cleaning and showed it to her. Not only had the egg fossilized further, but it now had the smooth texture of a plastic ball with fine cracks all over it. Uh, the photos of the decades-old egg made quite an impression on social media users. Some called it a pharaoh egg, while others wondered why it hadn't rotted all this time. Mrs. Fudd didn't have the answers, but she said it might have something to do with the fact that it might have something to do with the cold, dry winter conditions in the area where she grew up. Experts have yet, or yet to confirm her theory. Uh, confirm her theory, excuse me. If you think this egg looks strange, you've probably never seen century eggs. The Chinese delici delicacy that looks utterly inedible. I just want to go back and reread one sentence. We can't get away from it. it. Happened at News of the Weird, it's happening here. She didn't have all the answers, quote, but she said that it might have something to do with the fact that it might have something to do with the cold, dry winter conditions. There's better ways to write that. You, I mean, your whole sentence, half of it is the same words twice. And our final story, Pastor finally buried two years after his death because family awaited his resurrection. South African pastor Siva Moodley died in 2021, but his body was only laid to rest this month after spending almost 600 days in a mortuary because his family and parishioners were expecting him to come back to life. 
Siva Moodley, the founder of the Miracle Center in Gauteng, north of Johannesburg, died on April 15th, 2021, after falling ill. However, instead of making preparations for his funeral, his family simply left his body at a mortuary awaiting his resurrection. The wife and other members of his family came to the mortuary to pray for his return, but they stopped coming a few months after his death and refused to give their consent for Moodley's burial or cremation. To make matters worse, they even refused to acknowledge the pastor's death within the church, conducting services in his place until the day he decided to come back to life. Uh, as months passed and Siva Moodley's body remained in the mortuary, the owner started contacting the family trying to obtain their consent for burial or cremation, stating on numerous occasions that failing to dispose of the body in a timely manner posed serious health and environmental risks. They failed to obtain the Moody's con- Moodley's consent, excuse me, and soon the deceased's pastor family stopped replying entirely. In the end, the only option available for the mortuary was legal action against the family. Quote, It is a civil matter. I cannot make the decision to bury or cremate him on my own, the mortuary owner said. It has come from his family, but they are not saying anything. Uh, It has to come from his family, excuse me. He was a well-known man and does not deserve this kind of treatment. I hope the court can provide some relief. Excuse me. Court documents show that CV, spelled different this time, Moodley's widow, Jessie, explained her family's reluctance to consent to the pastor's funeral by claiming that she had had a vision of the religious leader coming back to life. However, after seeing evidence that the family had been contacted a total of 28 times about the man's body and receiving reports from local authorities about the health hazards posed by the body, the Gauteng High Court in Johannesburg authorized a mandatory burial or cremation. The court's decision was suspended for a month so that it could be served on Moodley's immediate family. The funeral home clarified that they did not want to refringe on anyone's religious freedoms, but they also had to abide by health regulations. On March 16th, Siva Moodley's body was finally laid to rest at West Park Cemetery in Johannesburg in the presence of his siblings and extended family. His wife and two children did not attend the ceremony, and South African media report that they will continue to lead the Miracle Center in the pastor's place. There is also no mention of Woodley's passing on the Christian Ministries social media. We might one day not do our regular news because there is a guy. There is a, there is a guy. 45 minutes from here. Owned a uh, funeral home and crematory. And a couple years ago... Um, let me see if I can find it. Here's the headline. Multiple decomposing bodies and human fetuses at Pocatello Funeral Home. Pocatello's 45 minutes that way. Uh, this was 2021. That was a year after I started working uh, in the cemetery. And um, my boss and I were reading the story, and the and the more we read, the worse it got. It got pretty bad. Maybe we'll read that one of these days. Not today, though, because the new segment's over for today. But it's something to look forward to, all the same.
Here I was thinking that was going to be a short episode. We're going to bump right up against an hour, aren't we? Yeah, it looks like it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you did, please consider leaving us a like, a rating, or a review on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Because that's that's the neighborly thing to do, I guess. Uh, if you uh, would like to subscribe to the show, you can get it every week. Same time, same place. And your podcast software of your choice. Imagine that. A regularly scheduled episode. Uh, if you would like to check out videos for any of the stuff we talked about here, including Demon's Crest, Depot Dungeon, 
Chrono Cross, Final Fantasy VII, and whatever's coming up after Final Fantasy VII, you can find me on YouTube at Jason's Group Machine. If you'd like to attend one of our live weekly streams, Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, you can catch me over on Twitch at Jason's Group Machine. Uh, if you'd like to financially support the show, you can visit buymeacoffee.com slash electricleft and buy me a coffee. Um, what else have I got for you? Anything else for you? Oh, music in this week's episode, since Depot Dungeons doesn't really have much to speak of, comes from the Chrono Symphonic Collection, which was a uh, project from OC Remix, uh, kind of envisioning if Chrono Trigger had been a movie, what would the soundtrack be like? And these are some uh, selections from that. Let's see. We talked about that. We talked about that. I don't think I got anything left for you, so I'm going to go. I've been talking for like an hour now, and I'm tired. Uh, tired of talking, anyway. And uh, I will see you guys later. Have a good one.